Welcome to Arguing with the Internet. Since this is our first episode, we should probably say a little bit about what this is and who we are. While there's a lot of arguments going on online, we think that most people are actually pretty bad at it. They use things like fallacies, they vilify their opponents, that's if they listen to them at all. Arguing with the Internet is a podcast where we find these sorts of heated arguments and break them down on all sides. Alright, so who are we? I'm Matthew Willis. I'm Lewis Martin. And we're two friends who really like arguments. We're also a philosopher and a neuroscientist, but you'll likely get to know us and what we do a little more as time goes on. For now, let's jump into the issues. All right, so this week we're talking about whether or not it's okay to eat animals. Now, judging by the way most of the world behaves, it seems to be the case that most people think so, right? Uh, And... Mm -hmm. Some form or other, most people in the world seem to, well, consume animals. Uh, not everyone, but the majority. Um, so let's start by looking at some of the arguments in favor of eating meat. Then, but first, let's get some. Let's get some of the really bad ones out of the way, right? <laughs> Before we move on to the more serious arguments in favor, let's get these uh, at least three. Uh, really bad ones out of the way. The first is one that I see quite often. It's something like an appeal to nature, right? It's this move such that uh, because uh, eating animals is natural, right? Humans do it in nature and have always done so. Uh, it must therefore be acceptable, right? Um, I mean, there's some it obvious seems, problems. Yeah, it seems pretty easy to dismantle because. I mean, in all of human history, there's been murder, there's been sexual violence. We're not going to say that those are okay. Right. So just because, you know, we've been doing it doesn't mean we should keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, it doesn't seem to follow that just because something is natural, uh, it's morally acceptable. Right. Like right. The, the cases you mentioned, uh, for sure. Right. No one's going to question that uh, sexual violence is uh, morally impermissible. Right. Um However, if you look back through human history, it seems to have always been around. Uh, so, yeah, we can sort of just push this argument to the side. Um, is it true that that humans seem to eat animals in a natural setting historically, etc.? Yeah. Does that make it excusable? Not necessarily so, right? Uh, second argument, and this one... It's, it's a bit more interesting, but still not quite good, right? It's this sort of finger-pointing argument wherein the, uh, the meat-eater says, well, hey, other animals eat meat too, and therefore it's okay for me to eat meat, right? Because they're doing it, uh, I can do it too, right? Right, and we're also animals, and so you know, I've seen people say that that's kind of denying our nature, to say that we're better than animals and you know, we're part of nature too and you know if they should do it they get to do it we get a pass as well yeah but, i mean it kind of runs in line with this um like survival of the fittest 
type of thinking or, or, you know, cycle of life type of thinking, wherein uh, uh, it is sort of just the way things are that animals eat other animals and, and that's, that sort of thing happens. Um, but it, this move is also slightly different than that appeal to nature in that it's sort of trying to discharge moral culpability or, you know, uh, being blameworthy for for something uh, by pointing a finger at someone or something else doing the same thing, right? What this kind of move seems to miss <laughs> is that uh, when you point the finger that way, uh, if the person you're pointing the finger to or the animal, the thing, whatever, uh, is doing something bad, that doesn't excuse you uh, for doing the same thing, Right. Um, like two wrongs don't make a right yeah two wrongs don't make a right exactly yeah, and uh, we're in a much better position to be making these decisions than animals you know they mostly rely on instincts you know we're able to you know hear arguments against you know okay this is why it's not okay to eat animals and we're able to change our behavior and we're also omnivores so we don't even need to die like a carnivore we can eat other things mm, right yeah there so there's a lot to unpack there right uh it might be the case that uh, I mean, let's let's for the moment uh, <laughs> stipulate that eating animals is wrong. Okay, just a stipulation, uh, no argument yet. Um, if other animals then eat animals, it seems like they're doing something wrong. But we do have this notion of uh, diminished responsibility or diminished uh, culpability for people. Uh, that don't fully understand what they're doing. Children, right. for example, like when a when a child does something that we would normally hold to be morally uh, reprehensible or blameworthy, right? Um, People with diminished intellectual capacities, we don't hold them to mm, the same standard as everyone else. Exactly. We, we make excuses for them, right? Mm. Uh, they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't fully understand so hmm. even if even if the stipulation that eating animals is wrong happens to be true, uh, there's still room to excuse uh, animals, carnivores, that eat other animals where we might not enjoy the same excuse, right? right. In the same way that I can't use the same defense <laughs> that one might use uh, for a child who does something uh, something bad, right? Hmm. Um so there's this, yeah, there's this notion of diminished culpability uh, at work here. Um, but then you also brought up the fact that uh, we aren't obligate carnivores, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like uh, cats, for example, who, I mean, really can't digest m much but meat, right? If they were to not eat any meat at all, they certainly wouldn't survive or wouldn't survive well at the very least right that doesn't seem to be the case for us right no yeah we can not only survive but thrive given the right diet and maybe historically that was hard to come by but certainly now there's plenty of people who survive on just a plant-based diet only and seem to be doing just fine right so i mean already two excuses for uh dividing us from animals when it comes to the finger pointing game right uh, well, if they get to eat animals, we do too, right? Well, maybe it's not so simple. Right. Um, 
we got one more <laughs> before we get to the uh, the sure. more interesting stuff we can dig our teeth into. And this one is um, uh, one that I think I see most often, though, in my opinion, is the weakest, right? It's this notion that um, because you don't participate in things like uh, factory farming where there's uh, cruelty to the animals, right? They're being held in like cramped cages and never seeing the sun and that kind of thing, being pumped full of antibiotics, whatever. Uh, and instead, you offer like a free range option, right? Or like a you know grass fed free range um, that somehow mitigates the harm, if not completely absolves you of the harm. Mm. Now, yeah, I could. <laughs> I mean, to me, that doesn't doesn't seem like as bad of an argument. I mean, I know it's a more recent line mm. of thinking that's becoming more popular. Um, to get you know cage-free eggs and grass-fed mm-hmm. beef and those sorts of things i mean i could see the if you say the animal has a, a good quality life and then is killed in a, in a painless way especially if it's like older in its life i don't know how it is in actual farm situations but maybe it right. lives a full life and then you kill it and then eats meat i mean it doesn't it certainly doesn't seem as bad as you know other options out there well, I think we can both. Uh, I, I think we can all agree that it's less bad than a farm, uh, a factory farming practice, right? It's mm-hmm. if you if your options are torture an animal or not torture an animal, <laughs> sure. uh, it seems like not torturing the animal is is going to be the one that's uh, less harmful in the end. Yeah. However, it's still the case that you're gonna. I mean, you're killing the animal, right? In order to eat the animal, you're killing the animal. This right. this even goes for things like not just meat, but for dairy, you know, and and eggs. Animals die in order to bring these products to your table. You know, the, uh, the dairy industry pro- uh, provides for the veal industry, for example. Um, mm-hmm. Male chicks are just, you know, disposed of, right? So. Uh, no matter how much you try to mitigate this harm by these more uh, torture-free or cruelty-free practices, you're well, killing they call the it animal. that torture-free. That's what torture-free. Free, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm sure that would sell product. Yeah. Oh, what about a situation where someone has their own farm and they have their own chickens or their own beef or pigs and large amounts of space for them to graze and good food and like that way they know exactly how the animals are being treated mm-hmm. and they can ensure the animals have a good life you know, what about that sort of situation yeah i mean you might even go further i think you sort of hinted at this earlier wherein uh maybe this farmer doesn't execute them uh or harvest them how however you want to valence you know however however you want to change up yeah. the term uh, maybe this farmer doesn't kill them uh but merely harvest them after they've died of natural causes right so <laughs> this is like the ultimately compassionate farmer right um even then i think there's room to say it's still weird right uh if it's wrong to kill animals if it's not wrong to kill animals whatever you know do whatever you want but if it is then it's still strange because there's there's this intent kind of lurking in the background so to make the point clear to drive it home 
One thing that I like to do when I'm having these conversations is to change out the animals for babies, you know, mm. human infants, right? So if I told you, oh, well, there was this person who, you know, reared these children, these babies, and, you know, made sure all of their needs were met and they were happy and content up until the moment they're killed painlessly and harvested for food, right? Yeah. That's probably not going to make you feel any better about the fact that these babies were just executed, right? right? And so if animals are worthy of moral consideration in the same way that humans are, I don't see that that I don't see that that absolves you or mitigates the real harm being done. Um we're still killing yeah. the animals, right? That's true. Uh, well, what about, and maybe this is a, I think a, a slightly better argument, uh, or at least like something that's a little more easy to justify morally. Like, what about people who uh, find roadkill or find other kinds mm-hmm. of meat that are basically going to go to waste? You know, another example is people who dumpster dive. Yeah. Kind of freakinism. Um, so, grocery stores will throw out large amounts of meat that are perfectly good and people go dumpster dive, get those and cook them. And they didn't participate in the animal's mm-hmm. slaughter or suffering. Um, so could that be a way to get out of this eat meat morally? Yeah, I mean, maybe. Um, it, now we have to draw the distinction between uh, the discussion we're having about whether or not it's okay to eat an animal and the discussion that most people are having when they're talking about this topic, which is whether or not it's okay to kill an animal for food, mm. right? Um, they are, at least in my mind, totally different questions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, once again, it seems to be intuitively the case that, sure, uh, if you didn't participate in the killing of the animal, and, you know, for instance, if it was roadkill, right, uh, and, and that you weren't involved with, uh, yeah. and you just sort of scrape this uh, this animal off of the road. Uh, I mean, if you don't eat it, it's just going to go to waste, or you know, perhaps some scavenger will find it or something like that. But it doesn't seem like you've committed any moral harm. But once again, whenever we have these kind of things, we can we can test the intuitions by putting humans in the animal's place, right? So. Uh, we might all agree, I hope, it's wrong to kill a human in order to eat them, right? That's not a thing that you, you should do. That's not a thing that you can do morally. Yeah. But what if you just found a dead human, you know? What if, uh, what if you know, you just happened upon a dead human or whatever, and, and, and no one was ever going to know about it, you know? So let's let's push aside the, 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 the victim's... Uh, families concerns those sort of things um they're there you know you're not killing anyone uh Mm -hmm. so is there a moral harm being done there's a couple ways you can go here you can say it's wrong because it's disgusting in some way right it's wrong because uh you're doing something to yourself right that you shouldn't be doing uh, or you could say it's wrong because you're violating the dignity of the corpse, right? Of the person. So there, yeah. it just leads or you could into say these. That it's fine. 
in that, in that <laughs> yeah, as I mean that's the third option that as it's long as just no one okay. knows about it. Yeah, 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 that it's it's fine. Um, but if, no one if knows you think about it, it's, it's really... not fine, you need a reason for sure. for why it's not okay. And if you give that reason, it might be that that reason should apply to animal corpses as well, right? Right. Is there dignity in a animal's corpse? Yeah, I mean that's a that takes us down a whole another topic wherein we we discuss whether or not uh, uh, those who have died uh, whether or not we have any obligations to those who have died, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, some people say no because the person doesn't exist anymore. There's no one to have obligations to. Uh, some mm-hmm. people say yes, absolutely, uh, you still do. It's it's a super tricky uh, discussion. But um, well, I do want to actually get yeah. back to a point you had raised about disgust, because I think that actually does play a big role in how people think about eating meat, especially some of the people who are anti meat eating, I think mm-hmm. will do it because they worry about animal welfare, animal suffering. Um, and other people are more influenced by disgust, I believe. So and this happens even among people who do eat meat, you know, if they see an animal slaughtered in front of them. They're not going to want to eat it in the same way as if it's just in a grocery store or sort of disembodied meat. Or, you know, some people can't eat meat that looks too much like an animal, like a chicken wing. Right. Um, right. So that, I mean, disgust seems to play a factor in people's intuitions, at least, about the morality of eating meat as well. And yeah, so I don't really I mean, know how I, we should think, think about that morally. I think that's likely correct that uh, our intuitions are to a great deal shaped by our experiences, especially ones, you know, experiences of disgust typically have like very strong impact. Um, uh, Whether or not that, okay, whether or not that does play a role in our intuitions about the morality of eating meat, I think, yes. I mean, it it must whether or not it should <laughs> right is another question altogether um mm. and once again this is another this leads to another area uh in moral philosophy as to whether or not you know whether or not discuss should have any role to play in our moral judgments um i personally am not i'm not uh clear that it should right um i think ideally we should be able to motivate our positions with arguments right uh and perhaps uh quite often those arguments will align with how our disgust is leading us but maybe not right there's a chance that the two could come apart um so i want to i want to entertain the notion that uh we could go elsewhere than our disgust is leading us right right that would yeah take us down a completely different topic so maybe we should Mm -hmm. uh as you had, uh, do you have any more arguments for? Those are the bad the pro- ones, okay. <laughs> okay, those, and yeah. and some worse than others. Um, but there are some, there are some arguments for eating meat that that aren't so bad, right? The first one that that gets brought up uh, is uh, sometimes it seems like it's a necessity, right? Uh, now here, by necessity, we're talking about human survival, right? So there could be some cases, either individual cases or perhaps even uh, certain societies or civilizations, 
that uh, seem to require meat in order to go on, right? And the thought then is, well, if their survival depends on it, that is a good enough reason, right? Right. Um, This is something that I think would have... It was much more relevant, I think, until pretty recent in human history, where mm. you know, one thing that gets thrown out a lot is B12. Like, you oh, need yeah. to get B12 from animal products. And until the last, I don't know, 100 years or so, there was no other way to get it. But now we have, you know, uh, pills you can take, supplements mm-hmm. to get that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, for most of human history, I think this argument was a lot stronger. And certainly in, in various regions of the world, this is more of an issue where it's hard to get the proper nutrition, especially from yeah. a plant-based diet. Um, but yeah, in like a rich industrialized country, probably less likely to be able to make that case convincingly that you need this stuff to survive or you need yeah. meat to survive. Right. It, it, uh, so even if it works, it seems to be less applicable today, basically. Um, but I mean, there's, there's a lot to say here. <laughs> the the first thing I want to note is that this doesn't get you uh, the conclusion that it is permissible to eat meat, right, in, in a universal way, right? If anything, this kind of argument wins you an exception, right? Um, well, hey... I need to eat meat in order to survive or this population, perhaps like, you know, some like an Inuit population or something like that. They need to eat meat in order to survive. Okay. But what about you? Right. (laughs) Who, you know, as you're saying, uh, you know, a a typical listener of this will probably be situated in a, in a, in a context in which they can just go to a supermarket or something like Mm -hmm. that. Right. They don't need to, uh, to hunt for this, like, uh, extremely, uh, meat-rich diet, right? They could they could go buy vegetables or something else or supplements, whatever. Um, right. What is your excuse, right? It doesn't buy you, you know, a blank check, right? Um, the second thing, and this is a bit harsher, but if we haven't yet established that animals are somehow inferior to us where moral value is concerned right inferior to us as humans it might still not be okay for you to kill them in order to eat them even if your survival depends on it right Right. um it might be the case that if you suddenly became a vampire for instance you could only (laughs) Uh, live by sucking the blood and killing other people the moral thing to do might be to just die because right. if you're surviving, there are no you moral kill vampires. Of... <laughs> right. yeah. 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 And if you put animals anywhere close to humans in terms mm-hmm. of their moral significance, then you know you can't really justify eating them, even if it's for your survival. Right. So in order to make this argument work, the meat eater is going to need to be able to establish or have some sort of justification for the notion that animals are not as morally worthy as we are but if they can get that they don't need this argument in the first place right Mm. if you can establish that animals don't have moral value well then you can do whatever you want to them right seemingly um so there's no need there's no need to defend yourself by saying oh well it's necessary you know 
right? Just say it doesn't really matter what I do to them. Mm-hmm. Um, except I guess with like torture. I mean, I don't know. Like I think of oh, even yeah. if you're if you say animals don't really have moral worth, it's still. Yeah frowned upon to, to torture them for no reason. I mean, it seems like the pleasure right. you get out of eating meat and the tradition of that uh, is okay, but other forms of animal cruelty aren't. Yeah, there is this interesting, almost paradoxical notion there where in order to eat meat and have it be like a moral thing, uh, it seems like you need to diminish the moral value of animals to the extent that, uh, I mean, at least to the extent that it's okay to kill them, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're right, there is this popular notion, uh, at least in today's society, that it's it's wrong to, you know, like, gratuitously uh, harm an animal or to torture an animal, um, right? These things are wrong. Like, uh, we have laws against you know animal abuse neglect etc um so it's it's paradoxical in that it's okay to kill them right but it's not okay to mistreat them you know it's it seems sort of paradoxical because killing is very often thought to be like the worst harm that you can commit against Mm -hmm. another person at least right because you know, to murder another person, that's it's irrevocable. There's nothing There's you can no do back. to restore them, right? That's yeah. it's over, it's done. And the same goes for an animal, right? You're not gonna, you can't bring the animal back after you've killed it. It's done. Um, maybe that's wrong. You know, maybe killing is not the worst harm that you can commit uh, on another living thing. Um, or maybe there's some other reasons that allow us to, you know, sort of dispel the notion of this paradox here. I mean, one I guess, idea, for example. Yeah, go ahead. Well, if you, I was just thinking, like, I mean, to me, it seems like the pleasure of eating the animal is really what gets you the out for whatever suffering it may be caused by being killed. But if you got the same kind of pleasure by just torturing the animal, I feel mm. like that's that's not morally permissible. And I mean, you would think ill of that person, but maybe that's just because we have this tradition of eating, killing animals to eat their meat, and not a tradition of torturing them. Uh, well, gratuitously. the 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 notion that pleasure is doing the like the work here for, uh, I don't know, like recompense for the for the killing of the animal, right? That mm-hmm. they kind of balance one another out. That's that's a utilitarian thought, which. Uh, I believe we're going to return to in a bit. Yeah, sure. um, so table that for now. Um, it one thought that occurs to me. I, I want to get your your views on this. Is that this paradox could be dispelled by claiming that it's it's not uh, it's not wrong from for the animal's sake to harm an animal gratuitously to torture an animal or whatever it's wrong because of what it does to us you know the person involved if you took this path you could maintain the notion that animals have no intrinsic moral worth right uh and still explain away why it is that we it it seems uh 
commonly accept that it's wrong to like torture an animal or whatever. Right. Cause it's, it's not, you can make the case that the animal doesn't have value in itself. It's just bad to do because it makes you a bad person or it like somehow taints your moral character. Right. By exactly. Yeah. I mean, you uh, could, <laughs> you could even go so far as to say it's wrong because of this, the distress it causes other people. Right. Forget about the distress of the animal. Right. This it's wrong because of the distress it causes to other people. I don't know. I mean, I it's a possible move. Um, but I mean, if you've ever heard or seen an animal in pain, it's hard to. I think it would be hard to accept that kind of line of thinking seriously. Right. Like mm. it seems pretty obvious that animals can experience distress, and uh, there seems to be something morally wrong there. If you're willing to uh, cause an animal to experience that a high level of distress like that for for no reason at all, right? Well, there's, there's people who have historically thought that animals were just kind of like robots, uh, just stimulus response machines. But mm. I think we have a bit a greater appreciation of you know what's happening in the brain when people are in pain or having mm-hmm. different states of consciousness and. You know, appreciation that animals, especially animals that are closely related to us, have similar brain function and regions of the brain. Um, and so it's more likely that they experience something similar to us. You know, how similar is hard to tell, obviously. But right. they probably, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine they're not experiencing something that's similar to what we feel like when we're in pain. Right. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be the case. But again, it... It might not matter for the overall argument, right? Whether or not it's wrong to eat animals and by conjunction, most of the time, uh, kill an animal in order to eat them, right? Uh, it might not It might not be relevant at all whether or not they can experience pain. Because it's still possible that they could experience pain and still have no intrinsic moral value, right? That's still entirely possible. Or, on the other hand, it's possible at least nowadays, uh, at least people say this is possible, to uh, kill an animal for food uh, painlessly, right? Mm-hmm. And in, in such a case, we aren't committing that moral harm of, uh, of causing pain. We're just killing, right, in order to eat. So whether or not they can experience pain, uh, that's going to come up again later in this discussion, but it doesn't necessarily mean... Uh, because an animal can experience pain, it must be wrong to then eat animals. That doesn't follow necessarily. Right. right. Or even to kill uh, animals. Like, or even to kill animals. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, back on this notion of necessity then, whether or not uh, needing to eat animals in order to survive uh, is a good enough argument. It seems to do a bit of excusatory work. You know, like it might grant some people excuses Um, but at the end of the day, if you have good enough reason to say that, uh, a human life is more valuable than an animal life, you probably don't need to take this step in the first place, right? You probably already have a decent enough argument to support the, uh, uh, the killing of animals or, or the lack of caring about killing of animals rather. Right. So the Um, nutrition argument's not really 
load bearing, I guess. Like it's, it's unnecessary, kind of a supplemental to something else, maybe. Right. It's it's supplemental. Yeah. It's certainly not going to be doing the the major lifting here. Okay, so I think we should move on to our next decent argument uh, for eating meat. Uh, this time around, unlike the argument for necessity, which suggests that uh, it's in our best interest, at least some of the time, to eat meat, this argument suggests that, at least some of the time, it's in the animal's best interest for us to, to kill them, right? Uh, this is the argument from conservatorship. Right. So uh, typically when you see this kind of argument online, it will be from a hunter or someone like that who wants to make the point that um, there are some conditions in which, like overpopulation, for example, uh, it is in the animal's populations, not the individual animal, of course, the animal, the animal's population's best interest uh, for us to sort of thin their numbers. Right. Mm. Um, so like so an maybe, example would be, yeah, yeah there's a, I know that happens a lot with deer and I don't know what deer mm. eat, but let's say they're in the overpopulation and they're going to eat all of their desired diet and then nobody will have anything to eat. So they'll all die. It's better right. to kill a few at the beginning of the season and then the rest can have plenty of food and thrive. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's also the possibility of especially in, in deer, the, popula the the possibility of disease spreading, the more densely packed the population is, uh, the more likely it is that certain, certain forms of diseases will spread. So the argument goes, well, hey, uh, maybe, maybe killing an animal just for no reason is bad, but we have a reason, right? This is a good reason. Uh, we're actually uh, doing a service to the animal, at least the the animal's local group or population. Um, yeah. I think there's another situation where, you know, as you mentioned before, if, if you change it from animals to humans, uh -huh. you get a, a, a different sort of take on it. This is kind of like a Thanos situation. Like, you know, should we kill yeah. a bunch of people so that the other ones survive better? I mean, yeah, it seems really like, pretty morally uh, not responsible. And mm -hmm. especially if you're one of the people that is, like, is getting killed. Right. Yeah, I'm not volunteering. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, exactly. Right. While this this argument seems like it has something going for it, uh, when when we start to think about whether or not the same sort of practice would be okay if humans took the place of the animals, it it starts to look a little less good. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, the meat eater is going to respond here and say, "But but animals aren't people." Right. Animals aren't people. Uh, people have this sort of moral worth that animals don't. But now we're back in that same place where mm -hmm. if you can establish that claim, you didn't need to make this argument from conservatorship in the first place. You know, if you can already motivate the idea that animals are of lesser value, if any, uh, than humans are, I mean... No one complains when you pull a carrot out of the earth, you know? Mm -hmm. No one no one thinks you've done a moral harm. The same would be true for animals, right? So once again, if that's going to be your move, stick to it, right? Actually make that move. Uh, you don't need these supplemental moves, like the argument from conservatorship or uh, the argument from necessity, right? Right. 
That's true. Well, there, I'm trying to think of other instances, other ways to justify that you know animals don't have moral worth. I mean, we talked about whether they can mm-hmm. feel pain or have consciousness, which is you know sort of debatable, but they seem to. But what about something like a soul? Mm-hmm. Uh, some people argue that animals don't have souls, so they don't get to count from a moral standpoint. Right. Humans, like, whoever counts as a moral agent, they have to have a soul. Yeah, I think discussions here, uh, they can get very complicated very quickly. Um, I think most people are under the impression that this is a much simpler notion than it is, right? First, we need to know what we're talking about when we're talking about souls. So, for example, in something like a Western Judeo-Christian tradition, um, it seems to be the case textually that... uh, that Animals don't have souls, right? But that isn't going to be the case for every tradition that uh, that incorporates souls, right? Uh, specifically, like in some more Eastern traditions, uh, everything might have a soul. Yeah, I mean, if reincarnation is 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 true, then there's a good chance that your soul will one day be in an animal, right? right. Um, so not only might animals have souls they might have the exact same kind of souls as us so really appealing to souls uh while it might seem like a simple out is very complicated you you're gonna have to establish exactly what you're talking about um and then there's the matter of how do you how do you justify the notion you know uh not necessarily of souls in general but of knowing who or what has a soul and who or what doesn't you know so, right, so i mean this comes yeah. with a lot of baggage then because uh, you know it, if you can prove that humans have souls animals don't mm-hmm. and having a soul is what counts in terms of morality then you can get what you want if you want to eat animals but there's a lot to get to that step is what you're saying that right you have to to show, you know, what is a soul? Like, how does it confer moral worth? How do you know that humans have it? How do you know that animals right. don't have it? How do you know that all humans have it, frankly? Right. Yeah, I mean, one thing you, you mentioned briefly there was that uh, one thing you're going to have to do is show that a soul is actually what matters when it comes to moral value. I mean, mm-hmm. it could be the case that we humans have souls and animals do not, but... Souls aren't what matters when it comes to whether or not something is intrinsically moral, morally valuable, right? Mm. That's a possibility. Yeah. So even if you can properly define what you mean by a soul and you can justify, you know, thinking that we have them and animals don't, that's still not enough. You're you still have work to do, right? So this is it is it's not a simple position by any means, um, but it is I think at least uh, in the United States where we live, uh, not an unpopular one, right? And it's you know consistent position. It just there's a lot of extra work you have to do to really it justify might be that. a consistent yeah. position. It it brings up thoughts in me of. Uh, you know Turing's famous paper when when he's writing about whether or not AI uh, could ever be you know the way we are and uh, in this paper he considers a lot of 
common objections, right? This is why AI, robots, whatever, uh, can never be like us, right? And one of them is the notion that we have souls and robots don't, or AI don't, right? And that's the dividing line. That's what makes us different. And Turing makes this really interesting move where uh, he suggests that if you come from this tradition where uh, souls are somehow imbued in you by an omnipotent creator, uh, you don't have the means by which you can limit that creator's capacity, right? So uh, even if we have souls and souls are what matter for moral value, why couldn't an omnipotent creator give animals souls, right? right? And how are you to know, right? I can't see a soul when I look at you, right? Uh, in the same way that I can't see your mind or your thoughts, right? How are we to know? Right. Yeah, I mean, even if it was the case, you know, as you said, that maybe humans at some point, all humans had souls, no animals had souls, you know, it could be, could change over right. time if you have an omnipotent God. And yeah. It's, right. I don't know how you would have any way of knowing. Absolutely. So, um, we're going to need some way. Uh, well, rather, it's the easiest way here forward is to find some way of suggesting that animals don't have moral value, right? So far, mm-hmm. everything we've seen is just pointing back to that blank space where we need an argument, right? Animals don't have moral value, or at the very least, animals have uh, incredibly diminished moral value when compared to us, right? Um, And so far, uh, we haven't seen a great candidate argument for that. Uh, Now, it leads immediately into perhaps the most popular argument against eating meat, which is more or less a challenge uh, to this this argument that we're in need for, right? The, the marginal, it, it's, it's called the marginal cases argument, right? Mm-hmm. The marginal cases argument, pretty simply, uh, goes something like this. If we assume that all humans are worthy of moral consideration, just in general, right? Um, and we assume that that is for some reason... Right, because they have some kind of property, some kind of trait. Like, so far we've mentioned like consciousness or right. the ability to feel pain. There's a lot of other candidates, but those are two pretty popular probably the, ones. Probably the most uh, popular right. ones, right there. Yeah. yeah, I would say so. Um, and we want to exclude animals from this same level of moral consideration because they lack those features we're going to run into a problem. And we're going to run into a problem because it's always going to be possible to find a human that lacks the features we said were relevant, right? So if we're going to use this tool, right, to exclude animals, if we are going to find that argument, that missing argument in that blank space to exclude animals, Mm -hmm. we have to make sure we don't end up excluding other people too. Right. Right. So if we say that consciousness or at least a complex consciousness is what makes humans mm-hmm. more morally worthy than animals, um, we can find cases where humans don't have that. So right. you know, comatose patients, for instance, or 
people with severe dementia, um, you know, maybe young children. I mean, who knows exactly what they experience, right. but you know, at least their consciousness doesn't seem to be as complex as an adult consciousness. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, if then, you mean if your requirement of consciousness is something like the ability to have complex thought understanding or like the ability to uh, entertain moral reasoning or something like that, all things that I've heard before, heard from philosophers before, um, very clearly infants don't do that, right? We can right. talk about what infants experience with a don't, but they don't do moral reasoning, you know? Um, so, yeah. Those are the, the the ones you mention are the typical examples that are used to point to when it comes to finding marginal cases. So we're going to say something like, uh, well, if you use that criteria to exclude animals, I guess now we have to exclude these people. And no one wants to exclude people from moral consideration. So we have to go back to the drawing board, right? right. That can't be the right answer. Um well, is there like a criteria you could use to kind of weasel your way around it? So you, you said, you know, there's other um, other criteria that people use other than like consciousness and uh, mm-hmm. being capable of complex moral reasoning. I'm trying to think if there's any anything you could do that would be have a better chance of sort of getting what you want if you want to eat animals. Uh, there are a lot of candidates that I've heard over the years. I mean, there is the ability to use language. Very clearly, there's some humans who can't do that. Uh, I mean, infants, for example. Just, yeah. uh, we aren't going to say all of a sudden it's morally permissible to treat infants however you want just because they can't talk. right? That doesn't make any sense. Um, there's uh, the ability to participate in a family group. Um, one, we have evidence that some animals do that already. Um, and two, again... Some humans are incapable. Um, The ability to feel pain is a big one. You know, I mean, even even some people who are mostly vegetarian, but not completely, like piscatarians, for example, uh, use this to draw the line, right? The ability to feel pain, right? It's okay for me to eat shellfish, right? Because uh, unlike what you were saying earlier, about how we, you know, with our more, like, uh, with our better understanding of the brain today, we can see that Mm. at least some animals must be experiencing the same kind of things we are when it comes to pain, that sort of thing. Um, The same doesn't seem to hold for things like scallops. Something with a really simple nervous system. Exactly. Right. And for that reason, it's okay to eat them. Right is yeah. is how the argument goes. Well, that just means that they are using the ability to feel pain as the criteria for moral worthiness, right? But once again, marginal cases argument, right? Can we find at least one human that doesn't experience pain? Yeah, I mean there are people with disorders uh, where you know they they are desensitized to pain. They don't respond the way everyone else does. There's the comatose, right? Uh, these people, by this argument, are condemned, <laughs> right, to uh, a lack of moral value. Right, and then being susceptible to being killed and eaten, just like <laughs> animals in this case. And, right, but of yeah, course we aren't gonna, going to do that. Okay. 
right? Yeah. Um, it just logically which means follows from this reasoning. cannot be our principle. This cannot be the argument that we are ultimately going to rely on for justifying uh, the different differentials in in treatment, right? Of like of different creatures, humans, animals, blah blah blah. Right? Unless you're willing to just bite the bullet mm. and say. Yeah, we should be able to eat the comatose. It's yeah. Well, I mean, there's other considerations as well, like disgust. That's as a we consistent about earlier. move. You, <laughs> Maybe you it would have could to be... say, "Oh no, I totally draw the line there." Uh, but I would be afraid to, you know, like fall asleep near that person. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you know? yeah, that's not gonna do them any favors. Taking that position. No, as soon as you lose consciousness, you're no longer. More worthy of more consideration. That's a pretty terrifying world to live in. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could narrow it down to where, like, so like something seems different to uh, about infants to me as an example because mm. they, at least the vast majority of them, will one day grow to have whatever criteria it is, like being able to use language, they have potential. Have, yes, and the same with a lot of comatose patients. Maybe not all, and so right. maybe you could say, well. The ones that are in a persistent state that will never get out, yeah, they don't have any value. But if there's a chance, mm. then we're going to give those people value. Right. So the move now is it's less about having this feature and more about the potential for having mm. this feature that grants someone moral value. So it's more about the potential for having, you know, I don't know, like complex thoughts or, or this degree of consciousness or something that grants one moral value. And that's why infants get a pass or something like mm-hmm. that right what the first thing i want to say is it kind of strikes me as like a um it strikes me as a move to make a point right rather than a, a justification it's it's it seems more ad hoc when you start talking about the potentials of things and that's what makes something valuable because potentials aren't the thing itself right if what you truly value is uh, a higher higher level of consciousness or something like that. It's just a matter of fact that the infant doesn't have it right now, right? Mm-hmm. You can talk about, oh, they probably will one day, but that's not certain. You know, it's it's not certain that they will. Um, and that aside, we're still going to be able to find marginal cases. Uh, yeah, like even if we do take this Advanced dementia, case. certain times of, mm-hmm. uh, types of comatose Irreversible patients. conditions, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, yeah you, might, you might say, okay, well... I've at least softened the bullet, right? Now I can bite the bullet and I'm only excluding, you know, a smaller percentage of people. And that seems to be true, but it's still, it still seems brutal to me. You know, I feel like we yeah. can do better than that. Um, right. Now this does lead me to uh, w- one move that has been made historically uh, when challenged with the marginal cases argument is to say that this quality we're looking for, this trait, just is being human, right? Mm-hmm. That's what gets us moral worth, and that explains why animals don't have it, because they lack the trait being human, right? But Well, it's a good thing we get to make the rules. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. right, it, yeah. Unfortunately... It seems like it's, it's made up just so we can keep doing what we're doing mm. and not feel bad <laughs> like there's no right it seems it seems pretty ad hoc yeah. yeah it also excludes the possibility of things like 
highly advanced extraterrestrials, right? Can you imagine, mm. you know, like highly advanced aliens come to Earth and, oh, well, they're not human and therefore aren't worthy of moral consideration, right? <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't work. Um, that's yeah, not that's that's true. Um, so yeah, uh, the Marshall cases argument is very difficult to escape. It's very difficult to work your way out of. I'm not going to say impossible. Um, but in order to solve it, you're going to need to find that magical ingredient, whatever it is that gives us moral value that animals lack, right? If you can find that, then you, you've got a clean way of separating the two in terms of moral considerability. Now it's okay to, uh, to kill them in order to eat them probably. All right. Yeah. I do think the, the marginal cases argument is uh, does seem to me to be the most effective and difficult to get past argument against you know, killing and eating animals. Um, in, in terms of arguments from the don't eat meat camp, I think it's the strongest that they have. The other arguments are, are fairly, mm, they're fairly weak as well. Uh, like, like the others we saw from the pro meat camp, right? There's the argument that, um, that you shouldn't eat meat because it's not healthy for you, for example, right? There are some people who are vegetarians or vegans for, who, who are doing so purely for themselves, like for health reasons, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe, you know, that's an, that's an empirical question, whether or not uh, eating meat is in the end healthy for you. But yeah, we're but talking about the morality here. Yeah, it seems right. like you don't need that. I mean, like, you don't need to say, like, yeah, cannibalism is also bad for your health. Like, <laughs> yeah, other, exactly, exactly. Other considerations yeah. there. Right. But, I mean, it, it could be the case that uh, eating meat is bad for you nutritionally, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's morally bad. Right. Mm -hmm. So there are bad arguments on both sides. Um, but as far as arguing against the practice of eating meat, killing animals in order to eat them, the marginal cases argument, probably best shot, right? Probably yeah. the best shot. Right. But it's just kind of an open-ended thing, right? It's not It's not resolved. It's an open challenge to the meat eater to see whether or not they can find that magical ingredient. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think this is a good time to sort of switch gears yeah. a bit and talk about another way to think about this issue which we've alluded to several times already if we get into utilitarianism as a moral framework um, so do you want to explain what that is yeah so utilitarianism is this moral theory moral view uh that says that we should always be acting to produce the most happiness over pain for everyone totaled right so uh all that really matters are the consequences of our actions, right? Uh, produce the most happiness overall. That's what you have to do. Um, our individual happiness suffering matters only in so much as it gets added into the total, right? Um, right so, so this is like a mathematical way of thinking about morality where take all the agents that can suffer and feel pain, you take the total amount of pleasure um that they feel subtract the total amount of pain and like that's your uh <laughs> yeah what's called utility so that's the pleasure minus pain is utility so that's what you're trying to maximize most right pleasure, you always want the number to be pain. in the green we always yes. want 
happiness more than suffering. Um, and everyone, and for most utilitarians, everything, including animals, uh, that feels any happiness or suffering uh, gets to count, right? You get to count, but only in so much as you're adding to the total, right? Right. So the utilitarian, this is very complicated as things with utilitarians tend to be um you can go either direction here depending on how you carve up the numbers right um for example uh while everything that can experience pleasure or suffering counts under utilitarianism it might be the case that some of them count less right if you feel less you're not going to count as much right so it could be the case that the animals that we kill in order to eat, uh, the amount of pleasure that they can experience and the amount of suffering that they can experience is is just dwarfed by the amount of pleasure we can experience, right? Um, and if that's yeah, the that's, case... It's a, it's a hard thing to know, obviously, but I, yeah, I could is, see yeah. an argument for that um, being the animals especially less complex animals may experience pain they just think you know there's pain like their mm -hmm. experience is pain whereas humans we can think about the pain we can know that this pain might happen again maybe it's like a chronic pain mm -hmm. we can have like deep intense emotional pain um so there's you know, there's potential for our pain and our pleasure by the same token to be more you know at higher extremes than other animals right and if it is the case, what you said is true. It's going to be difficult, if not impossible, to find out the the truth of the matter when it comes to like levels of being able to experience pain, suffering, whatever. Um, but hypothetically, if it is the case that humans experience uh, much more pleasure than animals are capable of experiencing suffering, for example, more specifically, the suffering involved with their deaths uh while we kill them in order to eat them, uh, the utilitarian might say that what we're doing is not only permissible, but right. You know, this is a thing we should be doing. So to put it more clearly, uh, if the pain experienced by an animal being killed is outweighed by the pleasure a human experiences while consuming the animal, remember, the utilitarian is only concerned with that net looks like we're in the green okay and we should always act to be in the green so the utilitarian might sanction this and if you think that animals are substantially less worthy of moral consideration than we are if you know an animal's life is a thousandth or a millionth um the worthiness of a human life then you can even think that you know, factory farming might be okay like if chickens you shouldn't really care about them too much then it doesn't really matter how much they yeah. suffer because their it's suffering is sort of dwarfed by our pleasure, but you'd have to uh, run the numbers again, which is going to yeah. be impossible. But uh, at some point, even if they are only capable of experiencing a very small amount of suffering in comparison to us, if you get a billion of them together, you know that's gonna that's gonna start counting for something. So utilitarians, it's very complicated, right? It's Maybe factory farming is a thing we should be doing, right? Because it provides more pleasurable experiences for us humans. Or maybe it's something we shouldn't be doing because that many animals 
you know, and that great a number, that amount of suffering starts to bring us down, right? It's right. You it's can't hard know. to imagine that they would be their suffering would be so much less than our pleasure from eating them. Because I mean, you know, eating like some fried chicken, I mean, it's great. You know, is it? Uh-huh. So much greater than the, the the lifetime of suffering of this this chicken. I mean, I think this. Uh, you know, if, if you think about things from a utilitarian perspective, it actually strengthens the argument you brought up earlier that you said was kind of bad, where people want to take this like grass fed yes. beef or like you know these sort of situations where the animal has a good life and then is killed relatively painlessly. Right. From a utilitarian perspective, that could absolutely be the moral thing to do. Oh, yeah. 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 Returning to the compassionate farmer is a good move here. You know, um, if you don't participate in things like factory farming um, and you, you know, you execute the animals painlessly or whatever, it seems like there's not much downside for the utilitarian. Um, Now, that old move that we used before where we said, okay, well, let's replace the animals with people. How do you feel now? It's going to get tricky for the utilitarian. The utilitarian doesn't balk at sacrifice, right? For the utilitarian, it might be the case that that's fine for for humans to be treated in that same way so long as the net is still coming out good, right? The net is still coming out green. Um, But... It uh, there are a lot of moves you could use to suggest that it would not right like a a human is capable of uh, you know thinking about its impending doom and uh, other humans being aware of this process of humans being farmed that could cause them despair and the utilitarian needs to calculate all of that in and these are problems right, that you probably don't have with with chickens right yeah um, but either way it's it is a calculation and it is different with the human situation because some people are disgusted by killing chickens and other people eating them, but not to the same extent as with humans. Right. Right. It doesn't seem so, at least not right now. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, the... from the utilitarian perspective, whether eating animals is moral or not really comes down to how you weigh um, the pleasure and the pain associated with eating animals how much pain does the animal experience how much pleasure does the human experience and a lot of that differs based on the quality of the the farming environment or what have you Uh, but that's more of a a numbers game and and two utilitarians aren't necessarily going to agree on how to do that right but utilitarianism does make some of the arguments we've called bad arguments (laughs) thus far uh quite a bit stronger right so for example Mm -hmm. The argument uh, that was coming from necessity suddenly makes a lot more sense, right? Well, uh, in order for us, you know, humans that presumably experience more pleasure overall, in order for us to survive, we need to consume. Okay, the utilitarian might say, sure, that makes sense, that works. Conservatorship, I mean, that's right down the utilitarian's alley, you know. Of course. Uh, Kill a few in order for the many to survive. You know, uh, that's utilitarianism all the way. Um, so you no longer have to find this this means by which to defend the notion that animals are somehow worthy, less worthy of us than moral consideration. No, no, no. The utilitarian says, no, they're worthy of moral consideration. They can feel pain. They're worthy. 
but the calculations still say it's okay to kill them. Right. I guess we should also mention some of the shortcomings of utilitarianism. Yeah. I mean, we've already mentioned that assigning the numbers to pleasure and pain is very difficult. I mean, it's, it's not really possible. You can make things like that seem more or less close, but it's never going to be an exact mm-hmm. science. Uh, but another consideration is, you know, you could have a situation where, you know, animals have great lives. You get a lot of pleasure eating them. That's great. You know, could that money that you use to raise the animals been better spent elsewhere? Mm. And could that, yeah. have, you know, maybe it wouldn't even had immediate consequences that are better if you've spent money elsewhere. But a thousand years from now, maybe the consequences right. would have been better if you'd done something different. And that's something you have to consider if you're utilitarian because the consequences are what matters. Right. Yeah, the utilitarian has difficulty not only assigning values like you were suggesting, but also in knowing what the outcomes of their actions are going to be. There's really no way to know ahead of time, uh, especially when we're talking, like you suggested, like hundreds of years in the future or whatever. Um, there's, it's, it's just not possible uh, to do that very effectively. Uh, so the utilitarianism isn't easy. It's not it might seem like a silver bullet because it makes some of these previously dismissed arguments uh, flow a bit more smoothly, but it certainly has its difficulties. It's also extremely demanding. So uh, you should not embrace utilitarianism as a, as a way to make your arguments work uh, without knowing the price, right? Oh, yeah. So as we've discussed... The utilitarian might, not all of them, but might say it's permissible to eat animals, to kill them in order to eat them, uh, so long as they experience less suffering than you experience pleasure in doing so. But they're going to say the same thing about you and something that wants to eat you, right? Um, (laughs) If something else gains more pleasure out of eating you than the suffering experienced uh, in your dying... um, that's morally okay. It not only is it morally okay, it might be morally obligatory. Something that ought to be done, right? So those extraterrestrials we were talking about, you know, they come down to Earth and they're much more advanced than we are, and they're for some reason uh, very epicurean in their diets, and you get so much pleasure out of out of eating, you know, other advanced beings. Well, we better line up. You know, yeah, uh, it's your moral duty to let them eat you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So don't think so. of utilitarianism as this easy silver bullet. It's one, like you were suggesting, Lewis, complicated, very difficult to to nail down precisely. And two, extremely demanding. Right. It's like I mentioned earlier, utilitarians do not shy away from sacrifice. Right. In the name of the good. Um so maybe not the silver bullet you're looking for. Right. Now, well, I mean, so far we've, we've discussed the possibility that utilitarians could, could justify eating meat, but they could totally go the other way, right? They could totally go the other way mm-hmm. um, and say that because animals can experience pain uh, or even because they can experience pleasure, we should not be killing them, right? Uh, because that's just not going to end up producing what we want in the end right yeah, if and the a compassionate chicken, farming example, yeah the compassionate farming example you know you're breeding these animals and having them have a great life on the farm 
why not just do more of that? Why not just uh-huh. have more animals, have them have more great lives? Yeah. And that you're increasing the utility, you're making more pleasure with less pain. If you don't kill them at all, like maybe they're just exactly. having a good time. That's more pleasure than you would get from eating them. Right. Yeah, if they're, if a, a long-lived, fruitful life for a chicken uh, produces more net pleasure than uh, a human eating that chicken, then the chicken ought to be allowed to live that long, fruitful life, according to the utilitarian. And when, when I mean, when you think about, you know, the full lifespan of an animal, especially those that can live longer, like a cow, for example, uh, and all of the pleasure, even if it's, you know, less advanced than the sort of things we can gain pleasure from, um, when, you, when you put all of that together over a long-lived life, there's a... I think a decent chance that it could outweigh the simple pleasure of one person enjoying uh, a meal from them, right? Um, so the utilitarian might might not go in for killing animals in order to eat them. Um, yeah. And then you can compare, you know, maybe cows. Maybe cows experience more pleasure and pain than chickens, but you also get a lot more meat from cows, so that also that's true factor into the equation. Like, you know, chicken, yeah. you get like two to four meals. A cow, you might get hundred plus. Um, so that might uh, figure into the calculus as well. That's true. Another thing that might figure in, especially when we're d- dealing with cows, uh, is environmental impact. Right? Mm-hmm. Utilitarian is going to be concerned with these kinds of things where. These issues before were more tangential, you know. Oh, what's the environmental impact of eating meat? Does that have an effect on the morality of killing animals? Uh, we were we were really just more interested in whether or not it's permissible to kill animals. Period. You know, that's a tangential thing for the utilitarian. Not a tangential issue. It has to go into the calculation, right? If raising all of these animals in order to kill them and eat them is going to one day backfire on us in a way that causes suffering, can't do it, right? It's, an, it's no longer a thing that's permissible. And yeah, I think that's becoming a more common way that people think about eating animals is not just in terms of the animal suffering, but also in terms of the environmental impact. So, um, yeah, that seems to be the most salient feature if, if you're coming from a utilitarian perspective, like other perspectives. I'm not sure if that factors in as much, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, that is something definitely to consider in your calculations. Well, I mean, there's a lot more we could talk about. I mean, so far we've really only discussed uh, killing animals in order to eat them. There's many other topics, right? Like uh, the use of animals in animal research and, and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. whether that's justified. I mean, in recent news, you know, people are... Like, we're now attempting to transplant, like, pig hearts, right, into people. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it acceptable to kill a pig in order to save a person's life, you know? Um, there's so many, so many other areas we could take this. Um, but I think this is probably a good time to wrap up. So let's do a quick review. Um, if you want to defend the notion it's, that it's permissible to kill animals in order to eat them, you are going to most likely <laughs> need to find that special ingredient, right? That thing that makes us humans worthy of moral consideration and animals less so, okay? Um, and you're going to need to pr- 
to uh, make sure that you don't run afoul of the marginal cases argument there, right? You don't want to exclude any humans when you do so. Or if you do, you're going to need to be comfortable with those uh, unsavory consequences, right? Right. So um, as we discussed, like, soul, uh, thinking that humans have a soul, animals don't. Mm. That's, that's one way to get over that, but it comes with a lot of baggage, and, you know, it's difficult to know who has a soul, who doesn't. Um, but that's one possibility. Maybe there's others out there that are, would work right. against the marginal cases argument. Another possibility is just go full utilitarian, you know, and you can easily escape the uh, marginal cases argument doing so. But uh, it's not at all clear that utilitarianism is going to end up siding with the pro-meat-eater camp or the non-meat-eater camp. It's, it all depends on how the values end up getting worked out uh, in the end. And also, you'll have to be willing to accept those consequences that come with embracing uh, such a, well, radical moral theory. Right. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. Well, hopefully this has been somewhat uh, interesting. Um, we'll have a new topic for, what, two Wednesdays from now? Yeah. And, yeah, if you think there's something we missed or maybe you disagree that we you know think an argument is bad, you think it's better... Anything like that, mm. just let us know, and if it's possible, we'll make another video about this in the future, responding to your comments. Yep. All right. I think that's it.